0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. No one likes their lives being turned upside down. They don't like to be filled with anger, or rather, fear and anxiety and worry and entering the unknown. And yet, that's the time we usually reevaluate our lives. These are moments where we rediscover what really matters and what doesn't matter. And that's exactly what the whole world is going through. And that's how conversion happens. That's how we let go of selfishness and sin and things that make us less than fully human. And so let's enter the unknown, not afraid, but knowing that it's going to lead us to reprioritize our lives and find out what really matters. Together, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what i have done and what i have failed to do through my fault through my fault through my most grievous fault therefore i ask blessed mary ever virgin all the angels and saints and to you my brothers and sisters to pray for me to the lord our god may almighty god have mercy on us forgive us our sins bring us all to everlasting life. Let us pray. We can open our hands as we make this prayer to our loving God. O God, author of every mercy and of all goodness, who in fasting, prayer, and almsgiving have shown us a remedy for sin, look graciously on the confession of our lowliness that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Please be seated. Let us now be attentive to God's Word.
1: A reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, in their thirst for water the people grumbled against Moses, saying, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? A little more and they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go over there in front of the people along with some of the elders of Israel, holding in your hand as you go the staff with which you struck the river. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock in Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will flow from it for the people to drink. This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel. The place was called Massa, and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled there and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord in our midst or not? The word of the Lord.
2: A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, while we were still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, only with difficulty Does one die for a just person? Though perhaps for a good person, one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you.
0: you. A reading from the holy gospel according to John. Glory to you. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.'" His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink?' For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans." Jesus answered and said to her, "'If you knew the gift of God, and who was saying to you, "'Give me a drink.'" You would have given, asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us his cistern and drank from it, himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now. Then true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world, the gospel of the Lord. hard to believe we've reached our 40th anniversary as a parish community. That's four decades there and a lot to be grateful for. But I think even though we know it's hard to be joyful right now with all that we're encountering in real life, I kind of look to you as an understanding of what anniversaries and milestones are like. I look at you who are married, who reach anniversaries, Or those who have a profession that you love, or a place that you enjoy working, and you've been there for years, and you hit a milestone, or maybe a birth milestone on your birthday as well. But I always enjoy talking to couples, especially those who are hitting their 25th anniversary. And I always ask, well, did you do anything special? Must have been great. I know you've been planning something. And usually the couple looks at me and said, well, one of the kids started throwing up, and we didn't get a chance to leave, um, you know what? There's a sick family member. Her parents are really in bad health, and we're kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen. Our relationship really isn't going good right now. We're just stressed out, and there's just so much happening. But yet, they can still be grateful even on that day or that time period there's an anniversary. Same thing at work. Well, there's, I'm not getting along with the boss, but I love my job or I love my profession, but the company's not doing well, my coworkers aren't really happy with me, but darn it, I made it to the year 20, and that's important, but it's hard to really celebrate when there's so much unhappiness or stress. You know, this October, I hit my 60th birthday. That's a big milestone. And uh, it happened that Sunny Slope Vikings traveled to, uh, on a game that night to Peoria to play Sunrise Mountain. It was my birthday, and I thought, man, that's the only place I want to be with my team. And uh, all the players said, Padre, Coach Padre, we're going to win this for you. We're going to win this for you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, in that game, we got our butts kicked. We lost bad. (laughs) So I told the team after the game, do me a favor. Don't do anything for me in the future. (laughs) So even though it was sad in the sense that we lost, I loved every minute of it because I was where I wanted to be. And the same thing can happen for our 40th anniversary. We celebrate the whole year. And maybe God willing in the future soon before this year is over with, we'll be in a position to really thank God even more than before. But 40 years says a lot. And what we do is like anyone in any anniversary or milestone, we're always grateful for God. Even during times like this that we're really struggling and wanting to know what God wants of us. What an interesting gospel today. It's from the gospel of John, and it's a story of a Samaritan woman at a well, and Jesus encounters her. Now, Scripture scholars will tell us that that story most likely did not happen, and that's very common in the Bible. We know that through the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, synoptic means seen through the same eye. That's why those three earlier Gospels are very much similar, and none of them have any record of the community going into Samaria. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, don't go in that area. That's not our mission, because the Samaritans and Jews literally hated one another. We know in John's community, John was probably written around 90 A.D., many decades after Jesus' resurrection. And we know that community had Samaritans in it. And we also know that many women had important positions in John's community. And so that story is placed there probably to tell a powerful story about who Jesus is for that particular community, especially John and and for us today. Jesus breaks many barriers in order to talk to this person. First of all, he enters into Samaria. It's a place that no Jew would go there. Be very dangerous, but that's a place that they don't talk to one another and they don't get along. The second thing, a Jewish male would never talk to a woman, especially in public like that, at the well, at the noontime. That doesn't happen. And yet Jesus also breaks that barrier and starts a conversation with her. In the desert, it's important that you capture water throughout so that you have water even during the dry season. And cisterns and pools are there for the water to drink. And what happens is after a while, the water becomes very yucky. It's bad, very sterile and very, very muddy and not very clean to drink, but yet you still need to drink that. And so when Jesus goes, he asks for her for some water, which is strange. And yet in the course of conversation, Jesus says, if you knew who was asking you, uh, you would know that I would be able to give you living water. You see, living water for the people then meant stream, running water, clear water. And her understanding of what Jesus says is, you mean you got arrowhead bottled water? Oh, much better than this stuff right here. Tell me more. What are you talking about? You see, for her in encountering Jesus, she wanted her material needs met. That's how she's thinking. Boy, if I have this water, then I don't have to drink all this bad water. Think about our world and our country and our parish right now, what we're going through. How many of us are praying to God that we go back to normal? That we go back to the way it was just a few weeks ago? See, that's our prayer to God. God, make it happen the way that I had it figured out. God, give me toilet paper. Hmm? God, fix my finances the way it was before. Help me live the life that it was just a few weeks ago. And that's how we pray pray to God sometimes. Meet my insecurities, my anxieties. Take them away and allow me then to live the way that I did just recently. I'm not worried about any personal growth or anything. Just make it happen. Isn't that where we usually pray with God? And that's understandable because we're in the midst of the unknown right now. And yet God continues, or rather Jesus continues to talk to the woman and says, you know what? This water I'm going to give you, you will never be thirsty again. Is that what you really want to hear? It sounds very pious and very holy. And that's not what you're thinking when you're searching for toilet paper or paper towels. That's not what you want to hear from Jesus. That's nice spiritual talk, but we'll do that when everything in my life has come together. But yet, what is he saying you will never thirst again? You see, what we're going through here now Some of you, what you're going through right now, you're going to make it through, and you will learn no longer to be fearful. Isn't that a gift? Some of you are already there because of other things you experience. You're not afraid. Other people are filled with anxiety and worry, and they're scared. It's never happened before. Some have a right to be because this is a real health crisis for them. And so when we hear all the news and all, we get very nervous. But yet, you will never thirst again because you're not afraid. Some of you are going to have courage like never before. Some of you are not very courageous right now. But maybe going through this, you will never thirst for courage because you will say, I understand better now. Some of you are going to be outstanding heroes. Some of you already are. But you will be a hero for someone who is elderly, who is sick, that you're going to check on, that you're going to care about, that you're going to share, that you're going to alleviate someone's anxiety or fear simply by being compassionate. And you're going to be some people's heroes. And you will learn that you can learn to give even in the midst of a perceived shortage. You will never thirst for that, because you know what it is to share. You will never thirst because selfishness is part of, not part of your life. For me, I've learned that I never thirst for unconditional love. I used to, but I don't anymore. About a year ago, you know that I had bypass surgery, and I, you don't do it alone when you recover. You need a lot of help, and I'm a type of guy that doesn't like any help. I'm very private, I'm independent, I like to take care of myself, so it's very humbling to have to depend on people to do basic things. First time I've ever been cut open, and first time I've ever had to recover. And you don't recover the next day, it takes a lot of time. But there were certain people in my life that I allowed in to see me most vulnerable. Do you know what these people did? They put aside their daily commitments to care for me, take me to the doctor, make sure I had my medicine, make sure I had plenty to eat, make sure that I wasn't afraid and just gave me their ear when I was scared and unsure. They loved me unconditional. Now I would never wish this wrote on anyone. But yet, if that didn't happen, I would still be thirsting for unconditional love. You see, when you're a priest, a leader, someone who works with people, it's very common for people to love you conditionally. They love you because they're able to do something or you have a title or you like, but when you need to make a difficult decision, when you need to do what you think is right, when you need to say, this is where we need to go. Or something happens where they find a failing in your life, they stop loving you. And that's common for me and for all of us in our lives. And some of us have never experienced unconditional love. But I want to let you know I never thirst for unconditional love. It took a long time. And that was good. And yet it wasn't very good a year ago when I was there going, ah, I'm hurting. I don't know if I'm going to make this. This is taking forever to get well. And yet, if I didn't go through that, I would have never known what not being thirsty again is like. How about for you and I at this moment? Are we still stuck on toilet paper? Are we still stuck on making sure our finances are set? Because look at our lives. We are really lost because we've been so zeroed in on focus and making sure our kids go to practice make sure they get scholarships, making sure our businesses are running okay, making sure we have insurance and we have all the necessary things. They become the priority. And we are so driven that we get upset when people force laws, rules, and things. When our rhythm of life is changed, we get angry and we take it out on people because we have life figured out. And this is a wake-up moment. It's an invitation from Jesus. Just as he expressed an invitation to a deeper faith from that Samaritan woman, he's doing this to everyone here in our country, and the world, and here at St. Patrick's. Do you want to never thirst again? I don't know. My bank account's more important. I don't know. My security and having enough is more important. My daily structure that I loved and still need to do, because there's a lot to do, is more important than learning a lesson, Jesus. and we will continue on and go back to normal, and we will continue to thirst. And so, it's up to us. Some of you will never thirst again on certain things, because you're going to learn something, and Jesus is going to guide you. And it'll be up to you, whether toilet paper or living water, where you never thirst, is more important. It's been a stressful week. I'm tired, and so are you. I just now want to offer you a number of minutes just to be still with God. I'm tired, and I hope you are too. Just be with God for the next four to five minutes. Just be in His house. Just be with them, and be with each other. Let us stand, and together, through the Apostles' Creed, we now profess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body.